I do want to preface this episode with the fact that we had so many technical difficulties. First of all, my iPad that I was recording on just died in the middle and it was being, it was like charging the whole time. And then my microphone, of course, you know, wasn't working as well. There were just so many things. And so this episode, like towards the end of like the first part, she kind of cuts off and that's where, you know, things died. And then I re-asked her the question. Um, so again, bear with me. I thank you so much to all of those who have continued to listen. I appreciate each and every one of you. Today, I got to interview Alex, and I have loved her story and wanted her on here for the longest time. She had told me her testimony and a little bit of her story a while back, probably about freshman semester of Bible school. I remember she took me out for coffee and shared her story, and I was like, wow, that's such a powerful testimony of how God worked through your life and drew you to him and she had come to my mind and which is a little bit of a break from the holistic uh you know homemaking home stuff non-toxic life but I felt like it was such a good testimony that I could not have her on it so we go into everything and she even shares a lot of like her second year at Bible school and a little bit after. And that's not really stuff that I had heard before. So some of this that you guys are hearing for the first time, I am also hearing for the first time. And it was really just good to hear the rest of where God has brought her up until today. Um, okay, so why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, uh, how long, uh, talk about your husband, how long you've been together, um, tell us about your kid and how old he is. Okay, so my name is Alexandra Berto, and I am 25 years old, and I am married to the love of my life, Destry Berto. He is incredible, and we have been married for four years now. So we met when we were 18, right out of high school, and then we did a year-long gap year mission trip, Um, and it was in that time where the Lord just wound our hearts together, and so we did long distance for a while, and then we got engaged and then got married. That's been such a gift. He's my best friend, and the Lord has just really... um, used marriage to sanctify us and to just draw us near to him and now we have an amazing and vivacious little boy his name is shepherd and he is now 16 months old he's so old i think the last time i saw him i don't think he was quite a year yet he might have been maybe right i know it's crazy it is. They grow so fast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can attest to this. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> okay, so I we had met in Bible school um, freshman semester, and I think we had gone out for coffee, and you told me your testimony, and I think I just thought it was really impactful, so I would love for you to share that. Absolutely. I will... Um 
give you the short short version. <laughs> it can be a long one. That's okay. Um, you can take all the time you need. <laughs> okay. So I grew up in a home with incredible parents who love the Lord. Um, and of course, like every family, we had our stuff and there was some challenges and there were some messy parts of our little family unit but my parents really did teach my brother and I what it meant to love the Lord what it meant to be a part of the body of Christ through church and how to serve um so really just it was a gift to have that and to have the Lord instilled in my heart from a young age but I don't know I so I did all of the things. I went to church. I went to Sunday school. I went to youth group. I went to all the camps. And I had a lot of those big, you know, like emotional moments with the Lord where you're like, you're just like humbled by his love and you're in tears. And also as a teenage girl, so, you know, that like probably had something to do with it. <laughs> but there's like all of those moments, but it just never, it never went from experience to my actual heart. So even though I had all of these things and I had all this truth being spoken into me, something inside of me just wanted to run from the Lord. And I think it was just this deep fear. Like the way that I related to the Lord was in fear of Him. And ever since I was a little girl, I just had this sense of worthlessness. And because of that, I would look to so many things to give me worth, even from like age five on. I just wanted to be worthy and I wanted to be worthy of a love that would not leave me. And obviously that's the Lord's love. Like that is who he is. He is steadfast and he is enduring, but I could not turn myself to him. So I turned myself to the world for a lot of things. And I looked to everything under the sun for worth from a very young age. I mean, I was still in elementary school and I was giving myself to boys and men and throwing myself on social media and turning to drinking and turning to drugs and turning to all of these things, just looking for that one thing that would fill me up. And still, I was doing the church thing and I was putting on this, um, face for mostly my parents, but also the church that was that made it seem like I was seeking the Lord and desiring the Lord, but inside my heart was just a mess, and I was so trapped in sin, and I was so broken because of that, and I struggled a lot again from a young age with depression and with anxiety and with self harm and with just a lot of um, suicidal thoughts because I just couldn't fill myself. And I was trying so hard to fill myself and to make myself worthy of someone or something. And it wasn't working. And this went on for a lot of years. And it wasn't until I was 16, um, after a lot had unfolded, that I had really come to the end of myself. And I had put myself in some really dangerous situations and I had to deal with a lot of consequences from those situations. Um, and I was just broken, man. Like I was, 
I was done. I could not see any reason to keep pressing on. And um, as hard as I tried to turn myself to the Lord, I just couldn't accept his grace at that point. I saw myself as so unworthy. And I was so afraid that if I came before the Lord and came before even his church, that they would reject me because of just how deep I had gotten myself in a life of sin and a life of lies. Um, But God, he intervened and he stepped in and he took me to Uganda, Africa (laughs) Um, (laughs) on a crazy random trip um, this summer after my sophomore year. And I went there with my cousin. We were just like, I mean, she she had a relationship with the Lord, but like I was very much not in that place. But this missions organization accepted, accepted us because of the Lord's hand and his divine intervention. So we went there as just very young girls with a bunch of adults. Um, and it was in that place over that month that I was there that the Lord, this he wrecked me. Like he humbled my heart. He broke my heart. He brought me into such a deep sense of my desperation for him and um, how deep I was in a life that was trying to turn from him and hide from him, but how deeply he was pursuing me in that. And so it was just this beautiful month. Um, It was a very humbling month. And... I was broken, but I was completely made whole. That's when I truly believe I gave my life over to Jesus um, for myself. I like growing up, you know, I had like responded to altar calls and stuff, but I was afraid of the books left behind. Like I was scared of getting left behind. So mm-hmm. that's why I raised my hand every Sunday at church. So it was like, it was a very different um, moment that I had when I had given my life over to the Lord in fear again and again and again, but never truly accepted his grace versus then when I was in Africa and I was broken before him and just realized that like apart from him, I was nothing. I was of no worth and I couldn't fill myself. But because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, because of how deeply my father loves me and desires me, I could run to him no matter what and he would embrace me. And so that was just a beautiful shift in my mind. Um, And I really, like, I attribute so much of that change, first of all, to the Holy Spirit and his work, but also to the people I was around, to the people in Uganda who truly had very little but were so desperate for and so on fire for the Lord. And they're the ones that led me to him. Um, and so it was amazing and he really transformed my heart. But of course, like, you know, I think it's sometimes we think that when we accept Jesus in our heart and we give our lives over to him, like everything else just kind of disappears and it gets really good. But that's not the case. I mean, we're still in broken bodies in a broken world. And so after that amazing experience, you know, I still had to face a 
a lot of sin and a lot of fear and a lot of the consequences that had been left over from what how I had been leaving, living previously. Um, and I really had to wrestle through that. And for a long time, even after really giving my life over to Christ, I wasn't um, seeking his word. And so because I wasn't seeking his word, I wasn't being established in truth. Um, so I really still struggled with a lot of shame and a lot of questions that um, I just couldn't find answers to. And I know because it it was because I wasn't fully surrendering myself to the Lord. It was like I gave my heart to Christ, but I also was still holding on to the world and um, just this need for worth and this need for myself to be perfect and to please all of these people that I've been finding to please all my life. And so it was this battle for many years after um, beginning to walk with the Lord. And there were moments of like incredible victory. And there are moments where the Lord just like lavished his love upon me. And I was able to see it and know it and root myself in it. And there were moments of a lot of brokenness and a lot of turning to old habits and old thoughts and not taking my thoughts captive and not guarding my heart against the world. Um, and so it was back and forth in that time. A lot happened. Um, I graduated from high school and then went on that year-long mission trip where I met Destry, my husband, and that was an incredible time of just like so much growth in the Lord. He established me in so much of his truth. And I also got to see global missions and he really set my heart on fire for that. Um, and then Des and I had a beautiful relationship that was growing. Um, we went through a lot of really hard stuff at the beginning of our relationship. I was, I just didn't know what to do after I got back from that trip. I was bouncing around a lot. Um, just struggling with my um, tendency to want to please everybody around me and to not look to pleasing the Lord. So that led to just a lot of like rash decisions, a lot of emotional decisions. Um, but eventually the Lord led me back to Washington and to Destry and at the time Destry was um, he was working but after he got off of the missions trip he he knew that he wanted to continue to just really root himself okay so you were talking about how Destry uh, wanted to go into missions and he felt that that was kind of God's thing you know calling him Yes. So, um, yes. Yeah. So that's where Destry was being led. And I, at the time, as I'd mentioned, was just, I, I just felt like I was floundering. <laughs> um, and the Lord had done so much in my life and so much in my heart over that year of being abroad. And I knew I wanted to continue to pursue him and also pursue his heart for the nations to know him. Um, but it wasn't until the Lord just very clearly told me that 
I needed to follow Destry where Destry went, that um, just a plan for Bible college and even marriage with Destry was firmly established in me. So after that, I moved to Washington and Destry and I um, started to pursue engagement and then marriage. And then after a crazy year of trying to get married and having just a lot of roadblocks in the way for that, the Lord opened the doors. We got married. And a couple of months later, we went off to Ethnos to Bible College. And it was really exciting time. But the beginning of marriage was very, very hard for us. Um, I started to get really sick. And we didn't know why I was getting so sick. And I mean, anybody knows, like, adjusting to life with another person is hard. Like, being married is really hard. And for Destry and I, we were learning how to live together. We were learning how to do all of life together because we were going to school together. Um, And I was getting really sick. And so we had all these doctor's appointments, all these medical things, and nobody could figure out what was wrong. And people were just throwing out like diagnosis after diagnosis and treatment after treatment. And we were just throwing money (laughs) into whatever we thought could help. And it really did strain us. So we're in this place of like, just being filled with the word of God, having the most amazing community, as you know, at Ethnos, it's like a family and having people just constantly speak into us and love us so well. And the Lord was just establishing us in his word. But on the, you know, outskirts, there was just so much strain. And I was so frustrated with being sick. And Deshri was so frustrated with not being able to help me. Um, and so that kind of led us to, I don't know, not like really, really struggle, but have tensions. And then COVID hit and we had to go back to Washington because all the schools closed down. And when we went back to Washington, I started to get treatment for Lyme's disease because that's what they thought I had. And the treatment I got was, it targeted my brain, which I still don't fully understand, but it targeted my brain. And um, that really was destructive for me. I don't know if it was all the treatment or some of the treatment and just some of my vulnerabilities. I think that was it. Just like treatment and my vulnerabilities and isolation um, led me into deep, deep depression and deep, deep anxiety. And Mm -hmm. so Destry and I were about a little over a year into our marriage. um, And I was struggling. Like I once again had reached the end of myself but this time it was worse I mean I was ready to take my life and having multiple panic attacks every day and just so clouded by this hopelessness and of course Des truly he he wanted to walk alongside me but he didn't know how I was just kind of at this point of like being so far removed from reality um that I wouldn't even let him in and it was really hard we always say 
to people we're talking to, like, if it wasn't for the Lord, we would not still be married because that point in our marriage was so difficult. And I was ready to just walk out because I truly, like, I was not in my right mind and I didn't know what to do. And I just wanted to protect Destry from all of these things. And for me to be so resigned to giving up hurt him deeply. And um, that caused a lot of tension and brokenness between us while I was dealing with all this brokenness in myself. And it was after a year of Bible college, and it was after just a lot of the Lord teaching me and speaking into me. And so there was a lot of frustration in that because I was like, I should be like, I should be better than this. Like I should be able to take these thoughts captive. I should be able to find joy in this. I should be able to be okay, but I'm not. And what am I doing wrong, Lord? Like why it felt like the Lord had left me in that place. And that was a really scary feeling for me because I didn't feel like he was, lifting me out of it and um that's hard like for anybody to get to that place of has the lord turned his back on me is so hard and you know it's true like we know that the lord will not leave or forsake us but when you have your emotions and you have just so many things swirling in your head it's really hard to like grasp that other truth instead of what you're feeling. And I felt like I had been totally left behind. And I felt like my husband was going to leave me behind and my family and his family. And so um, I was pretty desperate. And that lasted for about five months. And it wasn't until we were getting ready to go back to Bible college for our second year um, that my husband sat me down and he said, you need help beyond what any of us can give you you're sick. Um, and he actually called out an eating disorder that I, it was something that I had struggled with for a really long time in my life. I was an athlete. Um, I was a runner. So that's, that's something that a lot of female athletes struggle with, um, especially in high school and college. And I was a runner in high school and college and, um, but it wasn't like severe enough for anybody to really acknowledge it or for me to acknowledge it. And when I got sick and when I went through those five months of treatment, it really came out, but it was all under this like veil of um, me being really chronically sick and having to stick to a super strict diet because of my treatment. And um, I was actually like, I, I was killing myself by starving myself. And that was something I did not share with anybody. Um, but obviously it was very evident and Destry finally lovingly called me out and told me I needed help because he couldn't help me. And that was also a really, that was a moment, a very defining moment in my life where I felt like my, everything that I had built, all of the masks, all of the walls, all of the million things from the past that I had built around myself to put on this front for the world came like completely crashing down. And it was very hard um, to be confronted in that way and to be called out for my deepest and most hidden brokenness. And it was very freeing. I mean, 
like I w- cannot explain how when that sin and that sickness was called out like how it just felt like the Lord lifted this entire weight off of my heart and for those five months I had been asking him again and again like do you actually see me do you actually desire me do you actually want to heal me and restore me and it was in that moment where he was like yes I see you I desire you and I am working to restore you and so very hard but very freeing I ended up going into treatment during our second year of Bible college um and doing school online, but also doing full-time treatment for an eating disorder, and then those co-occurring depression and anxiety. And that was a very challenging time. Um, Like, to have to really, like, seven days a week sit and process your deepest brokenness and your deepest sin and confront it and overcome all of those habits and those lies it's like it's exhausting (laughs) and I wanted to run from it a lot but the Lord used it and he worked every single day in that year to just establish me in greater truth and to break me free from these lies and these sins and these things that I was just clinging to so hard that I thought would keep me safe from the world but actually that were destroying me and he also used it to completely restore Destry and I's marriage. Um, We had to go through a lot of therapy. We had to go through a lot of hard things and a lot of discussions and a lot of reestablishing trust that had been really broken between the both of us. Um, And it was all in that time where the Lord just like kept lavishing his grace on us and showing us what it meant to be utterly dependent on him to guide our marriage and to guide us into a life that was not void of sin, but that could approach sin with Jesus. Um, And so that was just a huge part of my testimony. And it was something that I walked through after years of being in relationship with the Lord. Um, And like, it was embarrassing, I think, for a little while for me to say, you know, like, here I am, having had an amazing relationship with the Lord, having been on the mission field and been going to Bible college and wanting to pursue missions. And, like, from the outside looking in, I should not have all this stuff, but it was exposed and it was so redemptive for me to be able to look at the world and look at my family and look at our friends at school and look at um, strangers and say like, yes, like this is my story. I am in fellowship with God and I am deeply broken as a person, but he is not beyond any of that brokenness and he is actively working to heal and restore me. And this is what a relationship with Christ looks like. It doesn't look like perfection but it looks like him working in us every single day and it was just a beautiful time and so after that um year the lord just continued to establish those things in me and industry and i am not gonna sit here and say like i don't still struggle with 
these sins or these patterns or these habits. And I have to wrestle with those every day. Um, and I have to wrestle with shame and the desire to still hide my sin away. But the Lord has really walked with me in that. And I've realized like, blessed are the poor in spirit is true. Like when Jesus said that he truly meant it. And so when we are poor in spirit, and aware of how desperate we are for the Lord, we become so intimately engaged with him and his actual heart. And I think that's just so much of what my testimony is, is like just this expression of how gentle and how lowly the heart of our Savior is, but also how fierce he is and wanting us to walk faithfully with him and how he'll fight for us and he'll fight with us so that we can just come before him in utter desperation and utter dependence. And um, then he'll work to purify us. And so, yeah, that's just a little bit of it. <laughs> but lots, of, lots of it. Yeah. No, I really liked when you had said um, when you were struggling that you're like, you know, I've had a relationship with God for this long. Like, why can't I take these thoughts captive? And I think so often, I mean, I relate to this so much too. It's like so often we think, you know, we should have our lives together. Like, <laughs> like I'm a Christian and I follow Jesus. Yeah. And like, I'm all in. Like, why is this working? And I think we forget, like, we're still broken sinners and like, Obviously, we're made whole in Jesus, but we still have a sin nature this side of heaven, and we're still going to struggle with things. And like, even Jesus was tempted, and so we're still going to be tempted, we're still going to go through things because we're human and still have that sin nature, right? It's like I feel like when you actually come into relationship with the Lord, you're so much more aware of how broken you are, yeah, and that's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Okay, so you didn't cover this, so I am going to ask you this. Um, I do want to know a little bit of your birth story because I think that does kind of play into your testimony um, and kind of what you were going through at the time, too. Absolutely, yes. So, Another huge part of Destry and I's story is um, a couple months after treatment um, for the eating disorder, when I was still pretty sick, still going to doctors, still trying to figure out what's actually wrong with the chronic illness side, um, Destry and I, I got pregnant, which was a total miracle in and of itself. It was a total surprise in and of itself. Um, <laughs> I mean, we had had so many doctors and health professionals tell us, like, don't expect this. You have damaged your body too much. Like, you have been too far gone for so long with the eating disorder and um, all this sickness. But God, he completely stepped in. And in his perfect timing, I got pregnant with Shepherd. Um and that was totally redemptive in and of itself, just to see like how God's hand of restoration stretched even beyond healing me from 
in eating disorder, but then healing my body to the point where he entrusted me with a child. Like that was mind blowing for me. Um, for the outside world looking in, I think it was very scary for them to see me who had been so sick for so long be pregnant. But Destry and I just knew like, this is the Lord. This was not on our own effort. (laughs) He has, he has done this in his perfect timing. So he will see us through. So pregnancy was amazing. I always hesitate to say this because I know it's not the story for so many, but I love being pregnant. Um, I wasn't really sick, which was really awesome. I went from being like so chronically sick to getting pregnant and not being sick at all. Um, so I was like, yeah, man, I love this. (laughs) I'll take it. Um, and that was just a beautiful part of our story for a while. And so, um, when Shep was 20 weeks, we know we have the anatomy skin and they had found just some abnormalities with him, mostly related to his kidneys. And so that was pretty scary for us because everything had gone smoothly so far and um, they couldn't find kidneys or kidney function. And so that was nerve wracking. And we had to wait a month before going to a high risk specialist because they thought that in that time, something could happen either like something he could develop or grow or I don't know what the other side was. I didn't think on the other side, but um, it was really in that time where like Destry and I had to truly understand that this son of ours was not actually ours. Like he is in the hands of our maker and our creator and our savior. And so we got to entrust Shepherd to the Lord and we saw the Lord working in that and we saw, um, a miracle in Shep's body being healed and restored. But beyond that, there was just like a miracle in the transformation of our hearts going from, you know, like this is our baby. Like this is our son, our son, our son to know this is the Lord's and he's just entrusted us with this life. So we can entrust him with this little baby. And that, um, I know the Lord was using that because Further along in my pregnancy, um, things started to get really rocky. So I was diagnosed with a couple of different things. The biggest thing I was diagnosed with in my third trimester is called cholestasis. And I had no idea what it was. Um, I don't think a lot of people do, but it is a condition with the mom's liver that can be fatal to the baby. And... So they can't treat it like there's no way to reverse cholestasis or treat cholestasis, but they just, doctors just induce you early um, because it's after a certain period of time, I think like 36 or 37 weeks that it becomes fatal. Before that, uh, most of the time they can get the babies out and they're healthy and the cholestasis goes away on its own for the mom. So we had planned an induction. Um, in that time, I was going to three high-risk appointments a week. They were just constantly monitoring chefs, just making sure he was okay, and he was. And there was so much peace in Des and I. Like, that was scary, and it was a hard um, 
situation because cholestasis makes me chronically itchy. <laughs> I, never I would be like mis so miserable from being so itchy, but I was so itchy all the time. So I felt crazy, like scratching myself and I couldn't like get rid of the itch. <laughs> and, um, we're going to all these appointments and Shep was constantly being monitored. And we just knew like the Lord has this in his hands and we had so much joy for what the Lord was doing. It was beautiful. Um, and so they scheduled my induction for 37 weeks. Everything was great with Shep. He was perfectly developed. He was ready to come. Um, and we were so excited. I was terrified of induction because I was terrified of labor and delivery, like for my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, never having a baby. That's so scary. And so being induced was like, holy smokes, this is so scary. But we just knew that the Lord had it in his hands. And um, we went in and I was induced on a Friday night, right when I hit 37 weeks. Um, and the beginning of the induction was honestly a breeze. That was the Lord's hand on it. I didn't really feel much pain. It was easy. They started the Pitocin that Saturday morning, and Destry and I were just having a good time, just laughing, worshiping, praying. Um, and it didn't really, it wasn't very painful for me, which was a really big blessing because I've had, I had hip surgery in the past. And so um, I was terrified of how that would how my previous hip injury and surgery would affect labor and delivery. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it wasn't that bad. And then they broke my water and it was fine. And they kept turning up the Pitocin and we were like, Oh, this is going to be easy. Like all the nurses and doctors were like, you're going to be like done with this in a couple of hours in and out. Easiest birth ever. Yeah. And we're like, Oh yeah. We got this. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Never say that. <laughs> be yep. positive, but like also be humble. Yes. <laughs> and so um, I quickly progressed throughout Saturday morning and was 10 centimeters um, fully effaced, just ready to push. And so my nurse came in and she's like, let's go. Like, let's get this baby out. We were so excited. And I started pushing, um, and she was like, wow, yeah, like, with these pushes, he'll be out in, like, probably five minutes. And so we just kept pushing, and he was not coming. Um, and so she was like, I think just with the way that your contractions are and the way that he's not coming, he's probably sunny side up. And so that just takes a little bit longer. Um so she was like, just keep pushing. I kept pushing. Um, I had had really significant back labor. So I had gotten an epidural. Um, that was like no brainer on my birth plan. <laughs> <laughs> so when they're like, you want an epidural? I was like, oh, yeah. I, want to. <laughs> I had gotten one when I, I was like seven centimeters, I think. Um, but I had had super bad back labor and it didn't work. The epidural didn't work on one side of my body. So. I didn't really feel a lot of contractions, but it was just like excruciating in my back. Yeah. Um, so that made it really hard to push, but we just kept pushing. And then finally my OB came in and he had to do some manual movement of Shep to try to turn him to get him out. And Shep um, actually 
turned his head. So he was still face up. His head was turned sideways and his skull was smashing into my pelvis. So he was stuck. Like he was beyond stuck. Um, and they tried everything to get him out manually. Um, and nothing was working and it was so painful. I mean, like I was pushing for three hours and so worried for Shep because his head, like every time I had a contraction, his head would, um, be pushed up against my pelvis. And that's really scary to think about just a little baby newborn head. Um, but yeah, I was just in so much pain, but I just didn't want to stop pushing. I felt like, Oh, if I just push a little bit more, a little bit harder, like he'll come. And if they just like move their hands up there a little bit, more and it can pull out he'll come he'll come um but he didn't and they suggested a c-section and they're like we'll just get you in there in a few minutes and we'll have him out and it'll be done and it'll be over with you tried everything you can let's just try this and um I was never like um like super set on any type of way of birth. I know my body. I know that like things can change pretty quickly with me. So I was totally okay with the idea of a C-section, especially if I'm not having Shep in my arms in a few minutes. Um, so we decided on that, but, um, they didn't have an OR available. So it was a, a time post COVID where there was still a lot of like, you know, like just a mess in the medical system with staffing and with um, space. And so they didn't have an OR available and then they didn't have staff for the OR that was made available. And then the OR became unavailable and the staff became unavailable. So it was about two more hours. Um, but Destry and I were just waiting and I was still contracting. I was still fully dilated. My epidural had run out, but they didn't have an anesthesiologist. So I was, I was in pretty significant pain and I just felt like something was wrong. Um, and I just kept telling Destry like something is wrong, something is wrong, something is wrong. And he was kept like pressing the nurses and the staff, like, can you please get her in? she needs to have this baby. I mean, it's dangerous for a baby to be sitting in the birth canal for so long with no pushing and no, nothing being done. Um, and they just kept trying. I mean, it it was not on them. They were trying so hard. The nurses and the doctor, my OB, they were incredible and just trying to get us in. Um, but it was just the way the, I don't know, things were unfolding at the hospital that day. So, it was really scary. I started to get really scared because I was like, this, like, this is, I can tell, like, I can feel that something is wrong. Yeah. And, um, they were monitoring Shep's heart rate and it started to drop and drop and drop and drop. And it became a very emergent situation. Um, but I didn't know a lot of what was going on. And at that point, like, my body was just in so much shock. I think I had started to shut down and I was in and out of consciousness and just like really struggling to grasp a sense of reality. So 
finally they were able to take me in to the OR and it was very a very rushed situation because at that point I think that they knew that chef's heart had stopped and he had stopped breathing mm. um I didn't know and Destry didn't know because Destry like usually they take you in and your husband comes in but it was just so rushed for me like they took me in and they started the c-section and Destry came in after like at the end of it um and I was still very much like in and out of consciousness and reality but I remember um them delivering Shep and saying we got him but he wasn't crying and I was like Destry he needs like why is he not crying he needs to be crying and then I was like kind of drift out and I just remember Destry holding me and saying, he, he will cry. And our anesthesiologist, who was a literal angel, that man was incredible, just, like, kept telling me, like, just hold on. You just need to hold on right now. Like, hold on to the face. Hold on right now. And I was like, okay, okay. Like, he's going to be okay. I believe it. And um, it was a couple minutes later where he started crying. So huge miracle evidence of God's hand. Shep had, his heart had stopped. He hadn't been breathing. He was, he came out completely purple. Um, and they didn't know if they had gotten to him in time, just from all of the waiting. They thought that we had waited too long, but they were able to um, bring him back and, get his heart to start beating without even using oxygen or anything. It was literally the Lord just like placed his hand on Shep and Shep started breathing. He started crying. He was totally healthy after that, like completely healthy. Um, and it was crazy. It was such a miracle. I didn't realize any of this at the time because like I said, like I was so in and out. Yeah. I don't think I understood exactly what had happened. It wasn't until like two days later that Destry told me um, that I really fully grasped the reality of it. But man, like it was, it was a very, very scary birth. And when I share this, like I want to share with people that that is not the norm. Um, We had a lot of uncontrollable circumstances happen that um, just led to that. It wasn't just one thing, but in it, Jeffrey and I felt such a deep peace. It was unexplainable. Like even in the midst of some of the scariest moments where we thought that we were going to lose Shepherd, it was like, we just had this peace that was set so deep inside of us. And we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord had his hand on us and he had his hand on Shepherd, and we didn't know what the outcome would be, but it was okay because God was working. And that went back to when we had those issues with Shep's anatomy scan and we just had to sit in that surrender. And the Lord really established that in us for the when we gave birth. And so Shep was after that, perfectly healthy. Um, and it was really, truly like just a remarkable testimony to the Lord's hand on our son. And we named him Shepherd Asa, which means, well, the Lord is my shepherd, obviously. And Asa means healer. 
and um, we've just seen God's healing hand on Shep's life, but like beyond any physical healing, it's like we know that the Lord is Shep's true healer. Like he is the one who will restore Shepherd's soul one day when Shepherd comes in a relationship with him. And that's just written all over his testimony already and our testimony as parents. So it was a crazy birth, but it was just, we wouldn't have had it any other way because it led us straight to the feet of Jesus. Wow. I don't think I realized, like, I think I knew a little bit of details um, because I think you had posted at one point on Facebook. Um, But I don't think I realized like the extent of everything. That is just yeah. It was extensive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but that also just shows, like, again, that's just such a testimony to like who God is and what He can do, and like the fact that like even today He still works in people's lives and He can still do miracles. Exactly, that's so true. Okay, so. Going from there, um, you guys graduated Bible school and you are back home. So what are you up to with your life now? So, yes, we graduated from um, Ethnos and then we were there for a year. Yesterday was working and I was interning. And then um, after that year, we really prayerfully considered coming back to Washington, where Destry is from, where he grew up and his family is here. Um, and so we came back here, and right now Destry is building houses for his siblings. He's a contractor. So um, he built a house for his brother, and now he's building his sister's house. Um, and I am in school full time, getting my degree in counseling and human services, and also being a mom, of course, <laughs> and loving that. Um, and we're just back in Washington right now for at least the next four months while Destry finishes up the house. And we've just really been trying to get established in a home church um, to hopefully, Lord willing, in the next couple of years be sent to some more training for missions and then on to the mission field. Um, a lot of unexpected stuff has happened. We originally planned to be in Washington for the next couple of years, but we that's all up in the air right now. So right now we're here, Destry's working. We're just trying to serve in a local church and get to know the body and um, just pray about what the Lord wants us to do next and ultimately how he wants us to pursue missions. Wow. That, that's, I mean, that's really cool. And yeah, I had already told you before the interview that we are in a similar state, um, you know, trying to find a home church and it's a lot and life just kind of, especially when you're going into missions, life just kind of is not, things are not set in stone and a lot of things awesome. are usually up in the air. Isn't that true? Like, I think when you when you choose to um, pursue missions, like so much of your security and 
stability is is up in the air like you said (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for coming on here and just telling your testimony and I've loved just hearing a little bit more I know I'd heard some of it um but not all of it and yeah I just really appreciate you of course I appreciate you friend you've always been such an encouragement to me as a mom and someone following the lord oh thank you (laughs) of course i don't know about you but i definitely got a little teary-eyed when she was talking a little bit about her birth and just all of the things that had gone wrong and her faith throughout the whole process i think was just amazing Um, But just also throughout school and, you know, despite what she was going through, she had these, it wasn't like a blind faith of, you know, I'm going to trust God. It was like she had doubts. And I think that's like when a lot of people like see people that are like, wow, like they, they show these great example like they're these great examples of faith and I think we don't realize that behind the scenes they're just like you and me and they have these doubts swirling inside and outside and just there's a lot of things going on that we don't know and I think that was a good reminder of even when she was talking about how like she had been a Christian for so long why was she still struggling with this and that did strike me as like so relatable and I know that everyone can relate to this of like you are a Christian for so long and you're going through you know temptations or whatever the same struggle that you had been struggling with forever and you're like this is supposed to be easier you know I'm not supposed to struggle with this this is whatever but it's so funny because that is not we weren't promised an easy life we weren't promised free from temptation like heck Jesus even was tempted and so clearly you know us being a Christian doesn't exempt us and actually I think it even more like we are tempted even more because we are a child of God and because our salvation is placed in him so many times we are thrown these things whether it be trials whether it be you know different things and I think a lot of people say, you know, these, this God's allowing this to grow me. But also, I think the bigger thing is, is he's throwing us things to glorify him. And a lot of times, you know, we are preached this, oh, it's about me. It's to grow me, me, me. But ultimately, I think I'm, I've recently learned this or had to unlearn this, that it's actually to glorify him. And we're part a very small small part of his plan and we are so minuscule but yet he still cares enough to invest in us and to love on us but ultimately at the end of this time you know if when Jesus comes back or we die and go to him we are our lives we will stand before him And we will declare what we have done to glorify him. And I think 
that's a good reminder of how are you living your life. No, not to grow yourself or whatever it is that the world has, tells you to do or prosperity gospel or all these other gospel. But like, honestly, what are you doing with your life that glorifies him? And how are you an example? And I'm preaching to the choir because I so often find myself in situations in daily life where I'm like, man, I did not set a good example. I was not showing the love of Christ. I did not glorify him in that situation. And it makes me so sad, but also learning. And we're still human and we still fall short. And that's why we have him. I have so much fun making these for you guys and interviewing different women. And so what you can do to help me out is leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Share this with all your friends and family as well. New episodes come out every Thursday, 8 a.m. Central Time. This is Elise Weathers, and this is Womanhood in the Rough.